Hey everyone, welcome back to Land Investing Online. Come unlock your potential freedom through land investing. Here at Land Investing Online, we teach students how to properly buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. For more information, visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free Discord, where we have a ton of successful real estate investors, including Ron and myself. Come learn from the best. Please subscribe and like this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever you guys are listening on. It really means the world to Ron and I, and it drives this business forward. As always, guys, I'm Dan Rapke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Welcome back, Ron. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Today, we're going to get into growing your real estate business through relationships. I like this topic a lot. It's cool. It kind of fits what I'm um, passionate about, I think. But before we get into that, let's go over a question from one of our featured members today. Question is, hi, I just finished the course and I'm getting ready to send out my first mailer this week. My goal is to scale this business relatively quickly. I know you guys talk quite a bit about systems, but I want to get a head start on creating my systems for scaling. Is Airtable a good CRM to start with for me? Great question. Wow, really good question, and I like that a lot. Um, and this is, I've talked to this member personally, I think consultation I had them, um, and they're they are definitely eager to grow. Like it's, it's real, like this is real, and they're gonna put their system together, so I'm excited for that. Um, to be 100% transparent, right now we are looking not to replace Airtable, but for some other options. One thing that Airtable isn't doing great for us is the sales management leads. And we want more of a pipeline for that for our salesperson. That's what I see as the biggest like addition that we're going to add. I think we're going to get another CRM that flows into Airtable, um, but our leads are going to be managed in a different uh, in a different platform. And then once the our salesperson gets purchase agreements, those are going to flow into Airtable, and that's where our system is really really good. But to answer your question, Airtable is very very scalable. Like you could do the same thing as us and make Airtable like we did or whatever, make it uh, for you guys. And then if you do have to, if there's a part of the business, a lot of companies use multiple CRMs. If there's a part of the business that you need on a different platform, Zapier and stuff are great in integrating two uh, CRMs together. Yeah, and at the end of the day, um, Airtable is a good CRM. We use it, and like Ron said, it's very scalable. At the end of the day, CR the CRM industry is extremely competitive. And there are a ton of robust change or robust CRMs out there. I I'm willing to bet most decent CRMs can be used for this business. They're, it's just very competitive. Most CRMs you can scale with and adapt to your individual business. Airtable is great because we do a lot of um, or we put our mailing bases in there and stuff. So it's like an Excel type of format. But there's so many CRMs out there. I just do some consultations and um, do three, four consultations and see what you think works best. But for us, Airtable does work. Um, but we started using Airtable and never used anything else either. So we really don't have too much um, of a wide knowledge as more of, you know, rifle focus towards Airtable right now. But like Ron said, we're searching alternatives. I have some consultations coming up with some other companies and whatnot. So we'll keep you guys updated. But let's get into the show, guys. Growing a real estate business through relationships. I personally think, and Ron, let's, I want to hear your part of this as well, especially from a coaching background and stuff. You have different relationships. You're a teacher as well. So I see relationships as just a key part to any a major, major part of any business, in my opinion, of scaling any business. Relationships are very key, and we'll get into details on it. But 
the goal of a relationship overall is to create a win-win situation for both sides or else it's not a relationship. If you're taking everything and they're just give, 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 it's not going to work out. It needs to be some sort of win-win relationship, and we'll talk more about that. But, Ron, what's your opinion on, on relationships in this business? Yeah, just like you said, like with me coaching, recruiting, when I was coaching college basketball, like recruiting, you can't get kids if you don't have an in with their parents, with their uh, – with their coaches, AU coaches, high school coaches, all that stuff. Like just my background with that. I've also, I also have a background in sales, which is obviously building relationships and trust with that. But uh, it, it's everything in my mind in business. Obviously you need to execute the business model, Dan, but relationships can, like you said, it's a give and take. Like you can't always be, you can't, you're not gonna appreciate the relationship if you're just giving. So think about it on the other side, if you're just taking, they're not gonna appreciate the relationship at all. And it's gonna fizzle out pretty quickly. Um, so there's so many, and we'll, we'll get into the different relationships and land. I think you've done a really good job, Dan, as far as just business relationships in general, because that's just as important as your land relationships. Like it's your mastermind, Dan, that you're a part of. Like getting those relationships and insights with very successful entrepreneurs is just as important as those relationships with realtors and everything like that. Yeah, I, I always see it like there's business relationships. Well, there's personal relationships you have, there's business relationships you have, and then there's land relationships you have, right? So you kind of trickle it down. The personal relationships might be like health and fitness or just life, life, you know, um, masterminds, things like that. Just your friends, hanging out with your friends, things like that. Those are more of personal relationships, business relationships. I'm in some, like Ron said, masterminds and different accountability groups, um, where it's nothing to do with land specifically, but it's about business and scaling and just general things. And then we also have our land relationships very specific to to what we're doing. And I want to talk about those because there's a lot. Let's dive into that first and we'll go from there. So in the land business, let's start with um, – I, I see it – or I broke it down as four different major relationships that I see. And there's obviously a lot more than this, but the first four that came to mind obviously are seller relationships, buyer relationships – realtor relationships and title company relationships. Those are like the actually in the weed relationships that you have to um, form. Do you want to talk about those specifically, Ron? Yeah, let's, what do you want to start with, Dan? I think talking, it's a lot. If you unpack everyone, which one do you want to it start is. with? Let's talk about seller buyer because those are kind of the same. They give, in my opinion, they give you really similar, um, they're similar relationships. Yeah, I, I, I think buyer is probably the least important relationship in my mind, especially if you're using realtors and stuff like that. Um, seller might be the most important, but I think buyer is probably the least important because buyer is like, they want something, you have it. You're just giving them information, honestly. Um, and just being responsive and all that, like you don't have to learn everything about their family and that kind of stuff. And, uh, I don't know if that has to be a, it has to be like a transactional relationship almost the sellers. Then I think they have to really, really trust you. Um, you need to learn about their land. You need to learn about why they're interested in selling, uh, dig deep. And like we've talked about so many times on the podcast, the trust aspect and sellers signing that purchase agreement and believing that they're going to actually get their money is probably one of the biggest parts of this business. So I think, like I said, I don't really think buyer relationship is a huge thing. Maybe you have a different insight on that, Dan. It's not for how we're doing it, but um, one thing, I you mean, we talk about different... 
What's if that? You have a buyer list. If you have a buyer list, yeah, that's a little. If you have a buyer guess. list and and you're catering towards um, specific niches and things like that, or you're in a specific, like say you're in Nashville or around the Nashville area, if you have a, if you're doing a ton of business around there, having a buyer list can be extremely impactful because what you can do is you can sell the properties before you even um, before you acquire it. You're just lining up buyers. Like I know. And I see people in the forums and stuff and on Discord that have extremely well-built out buyers list. And that's pretty much how they sell their properties. That is an option. And that's kind of what I was thinking. That's not how we do it right now. We put everything on the MLS. Our buyers that are calling us, we've usually never talked to. But that can change. Like things change. The market's still relatively hot. It's easy to sell property. Like once things are sitting on the market longer we're i mean i assume at some point ron we're going to be like wow it would be really nice to have some sort of buyer list during this time but it's not important for our business right now um selling seller relationships one thing i wanted to touch on well one you get good reviews word of mouth it's good karma i think to take care of your sellers um it's a win-win relationship they're getting the money you're getting the property that type of stuff um but we've gotten a lot of referrals lately and a lot of people calling us about referrals, even if we didn't end up buying it. I'm answering calls that people are saying, hey, I, I know you're buying um, property in this area. You want to take a look at mine? Um, like a lot of those. We bought one as well recently, maybe two that were referrals. And that's that's a, um, just in terms of organic expansion, Ron. That's a really, really good relationship to cater. Yeah, no, that's a, that got me excited when, cause it, it makes you feel good too. Like we are helping the sellers. Um, and if they feel good enough to refer us to someone else, we can help someone else. Like the one we've talked about a few times that Daniel's referring to, we closed on this referral, the other one in three days. So they got referred to us. I think they called me on Monday. I got them mon uh, money by Friday. Um, and we'll get into the title company, uh, relationships here soon, Dan. And that relationship really helped me close that so fast. But uh, yeah, I, I think those, those are really important. Taking care of your sellers is really important. And I think then you have two types of sellers. You have ones with crap land, um, which you might throw to the curb and not really respond to them. And then you have ones that like you really like the land. I think you really need to treat these two the same. And it has to, you need to service both of them. Because you never know when they're going to have good land to sell, or when they're going to talk to someone. Being transparent with them fast and not just throwing to the curb and giving them a call three weeks later and saying, oh, yeah, I couldn't buy. I don't like your land or I couldn't buy. It's in a floodplain. Servicing both of those the same, I think, is really important to him. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. You got to service the bad land just as good as the – I mean, that's impossible to do. It's not impossible, but that's hard to do to serve it as, you know, if you have an A-plus land versus a D-minus, you're going to service them a little bit different. But keep them as balanced as you can because that will come back to you at some point, whether they have another piece of land or their family has land or whatever that situation is. They'll th keep you in mind. Um, let's talk about realtor relationships, and then we'll talk about title. So um, – my biggest thing with realtor relationships, yes, they help sell the property and whatnot, and they have their buyers list and stuff, um, and they do all the marketing, so it's less work for you, and you don't need to deal with the leads, so it saves you time. Um, it's a really good win-win relationship for both parties if you have a good realtor. Um, but like the, one of the big things about it is once you have these relationships with them, you can use them on the front end, and we talk about that quite a bit, using them when you're buying a property They'll look at it before you even acquire it type of thing, give you comps in the area, think, give you their opinion, maybe walk it. Whatever you need, they're, they're there for you, and that's what um, that relationship really does. It's a, it can be really, really powerful relationships in this business. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I see a lot of people abuse realtor relationships and those relationships tend to fizzle out. Uh, it, it's a difficult thing by like, keeping those relationships long-term if you expect a lot from your realtors. And I think we do, Dan. So I think that's why we pay most of our realtors 10% of the sale price opposed to like that 6% that a lot of people try to get. But uh, yeah, not abusing those relationships. You want these to be long-term relationships. If you're plan, even if you don't plan on staying in the area, like those relationships down the line, like you never know what they're going to do. They might have a seller that needs money really fast. And like, maybe you can get a property really cheap. You never know where these relationships, and I think that's what you need to go into all these relationships with. You don't know what it's going to be down the line. And just like basic human nature is just taking care of them and treating them like a normal human and not trying to take advantage of them. And being ethical is extremely important because realtors will get a sense if they feel like you're just using them and then you're going to post it yourself and try not to pay a realtor. Um, just those different things then I think uh, really matter. Yeah, that, that would definitely catch up with you. You got to be careful on that. Um, treat treat realtors like you want to be treated at the end of the day and show them respect and give them, treat them well, and they, you'll get that return. They'll work. The better you treat someone, in my opinion, the better they're going to be working for you, um, the, the happier they are to be going out to your property and walking it without having a contract. You know, things like that will pay off. And even if it doesn't pay off the first time, you're like, oh, I gave him a bit, whatever. If it doesn't work out in your favor, like, at the end of the day, you keep doing that over and over again, treating all these people the same way you want to be treated and with a lot of respect. It's going to come back to you, and it's going to help you in the end, I think, in my opinion. Um, but let's go into title, Ron. This is a really big one. These relationships are powerful, probably the most powerful. Um, and I, I've seen it more over the last few weeks than, than ever, really, just because I've been more in the weeds these last few weeks as we're hiring and onboarding people. But um, you, you deal with that, Ron. So talk about title relationships and what they can do. And vice versa. Like, I know we're in some states right now where we don't have them, and it's been tough. Yeah, I mean, we have one state in particular when we're in right now that we can't get title work back within, like, I mean, it, it's just it's just always not the time frame that we're told at the beginning. It is very frustrating. Um, I understand holdups and stuff like that, but it's every single deal that's closing later than we were initially told. Um, and we always put some fluff on it for our... Uh, for our sellers. So if the title company tells us two weeks, I'm going to tell the seller three weeks just to make sure. But once I get past that three weeks, that's when like a title company's one week late and all the title works fine. It's not an issue. It's just that they're just being slow and they misquoted us on a time. But on the opposite end, Dan, like I just talked about with that seller where we got a deal on Monday and got the money by Friday because they were going on vacation, that is extremely powerful. Like we have this title company in a certain state that we can close in most counties in the state within like two days. So like, think about that guys. Like we're buying and that property that we bought was $60,000, $55,000 or something like that. So we did our due diligence. We got our drone guy. That's actually a relationship we need to talk about in a little bit. Uh, we got our drone guy there oh, really, yeah. really fast. And then uh, we, we liked it. We bought the property two or three days later, got them $55,000 cash within three days uh, with title insurance. This isn't like I'm telling the title company, I don't want insurance. This is a full title search. We got a title commitment. Everything was clean on it. So we could close that fast. Um, and those are like the different spectrums. We've had things in between a lot of title companies in between those two um, that aren't so drastically good or drastically bad. Um, and that's where most title companies fall is in the middle where they say two weeks, it's two and a half weeks, um, whatever. They just, they just don't really hold their word. And that's just somewhere in the middle. Sometimes they close on time. Sometimes they don't. 
Um, but that's what you're going to find the most, but finding ones that can quickly close that do things special for you because you give them a lot of business, um, is so helpful. Like we have that one, Dan, that we've talked about a little bit. We were told it was 85 acres when we bought it, we got it surveyed and they said 58 acres. I went to that attorney that, uh, that, uh, initially told me 85 acres. I'm like, this got surveyed at 58 acres. Where's that other, I might've, he might've told us 88, Dan. But uh, I said, where's that other 30 acres? He said, let me look into this. I think they're wrong. So if we get 30 more acres out of this, Dan, which I think I looked at the title work on uh, Friday, a couple of days ago. And uh, if we get 30 more acres, that's going to be worth 90, 60 to $90,000 extra if they can find this 30 extra acres and where this is. But uh, th that relationship for us, that's made interesting. Us so much money. What do you say, Dan? Yeah, I, I had no idea about that story. That's super interesting. I know what property you're talking about because we've talked about how we lost 30 acres. And that was one um, – I mean another way these title companies can help you too, and I see it all the time, is they'll, they'll give you their opinion or like what, they're, what they think about a certain property, whether they're, they're warning us about something or they're telling us there's a break in title or they're telling us they think they can insure it or can't insure it or whatever the situation is like if you go to them with questions and you have that relationship you don't want to abuse them in any way but they can give you some sort of direction and we can i know i'm trying to think of a specific situation ron i can't really think of one but i know there's been one where we're like hey we'll just um give all the information to the title company and see if they're going to be able to insure this before we keep pursuing this or whatever it is um so they can help you on the front end as well which is very very helpful let's go into drone um and then that, that would probably be the last one we talk about inside the land business. Um, go ahead, Ron. Talk about some the drone relationships, droners relationships. Yeah, so there's there's drone guys that – and you want to take care of them. Like we use – when we're trying to find a new one in a new area, we use droners.io, um, droners.io, not .com. Um, and you can find really good drone people. The problem is like every time you got to post that up and just be difficult. Like we have people in different states that we can text. And one of our guys goes to multiple states. I think he has drone guys like throughout. Um, but we just text them. We like, we have a property here. When can you get to the, can you get to this? If so, when can you get to it? Um, and then kind of we'll tell them a price that we're trying to be at. Um, and it's as fast as that. Like it's not posting up and negotiating with people. It's not posting up and they know how we operate. Like it saves me hours or it saves our employees hours every week by not having to repost these up find someone, explain what we are looking for, which takes time and like making sure expectations, making sure they actually go to the property when they say, like these relationships and the good ones will stay to their word unless the weather goes crazy, obviously they can't get the pictures, but uh, those relationships are extremely valuable because it's part of due diligence, Dan. That's how we treat drones. We don't really treat droners like marketing pieces. We treat, we use it for marketing, don't get me wrong, but it's part of our due diligence. Like that is something we do every yeah. single time before we buy a property. Uh, so if these drone guys aren't or aren't like holding to their word, it becomes difficult because we have to push back our purchase because I'm not going to buy land without having uh, eyes on the land. Yeah, really good point. And um, I've seen firsthand, I mean, these you get good drone guys in the area that you're buying and selling a lot of land in. They can really, really help. Um, just that reliability aspect is so big. I 
I feel like some of them, when we first started, they'd just be like, yeah, I can probably get there sometime in the next couple of weeks and stuff like that. And it's like, that doesn't fly. These people are giving us good times. We're treating them well. Maybe we throw them an extra buck or two when necessary. And they treat us. It's a business, business relationship, win-win relationship. Like we're talking about, like they're getting money. We're getting things on time. Um, and it's almost always like I look in our CRM, Ron, and it says like expected drone date or yep. something. And it's almost always on time. So I know when to go in there and I can look at yep. it. Um, let's talk about on the business side of things. Um, a, a major, major relationship aspect is deal funding relationships, Ron. And you'll need money partners, uh, capital partners, banking partners, whatever you want to call it. You need these to scale or you need a way to come up with capital. This is like any other business, guys. This is inventory and we need a way to buy more inventory because we know we can sell the inventory and we know we could buy the inventory discounted. Um, so that's a really big relationship that I feel like I feel like a lot of people at first look at these like the managers of the deals, look at these properties like uh, or look at these deal funders like they're, you know, they have all the power. They can find any deal funder out there because they have a good deal and whatnot. Those aren't going to get you far. It might work. Like I always say this, you have to treat these like business relationships because they'll pay off in the end. If you try to get the cheapest money and just go and you're not treating them well, you're not giving them updates, you're not bringing them all the information or you – whatever the situation is or a property goes bad with something you knew about, you hid from them. Like you're not going to last long in business in general if that's how you do business. It might get you by one or two times. It will catch up to you eventually, Ron. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, And I get pretty passionate about this because we fund a lot of people's deals and we've been screwed over before, but we've also had a lot of good relationships with managers that we're doing deal after deal after deal. And I know it's easy for them because I trust them more. They shoot me the APN in the state and the county. I look it up and they tell me a sale price. I'll kind of confirm. But uh, I trust their due diligence quite a bit after a few deals with them. And they understand like that aspect. And they do a ton of due diligence before they reach out to us. They don't force me to do all the work for them. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, Dan, like screwing over anyone in business, like if you consistently do it, like it might happen unintentionally, but if you're intentionally doing it over and over um, and just not treating them like business relationships, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass um, at some point because you're going to run out of funders. Uh, even us, like we say, we still get money for deals. Um, it, it, we get money for deals every week, really. It's not every deal, but like every week or every two weeks, like we'll have a deal, like we're going to fund it out. It's not a bad deal. It's not something I wouldn't fund myself. Um, it's just something we got to spread our risk out a little bit. But uh, those relationships, and it's the same people we can go to, and we can get those deals approved by them really fast and get them money sometime, get money from them within a day or two pretty easily. So just having those as long-term relationships, all of these as long-term relationships in your head, there's not always a next person to do the job for you or to give you money. So I, I think it's extremely important. And, and uh, I don't know, I think it's overlooked by a lot of newer people um, or maybe people with a little bit of money, maybe they have 50 grand and they think they're not gonna really need it. You're gonna need it if you wanna grow. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank, you're gonna eventually need someone to fund the deal if you wanna grow big. Yes, and I've seen millions of do million dollars go down to zero dollars overnight because of acquisitions just being piled up. Um, yeah, I I think it's overlooked too, Ron. I agree with everything you said. And the thing is, like, you're going to come to a time where you need money fast. And if you don't have those solid relationships, you're not going to get money fast. But if you go to someone who you've done ten deals with, and they trust you, 
and you tell them and you're honest and transparent and you say, listen, this needs to close like tomorrow. I thought I could pay for this myself or whatever the situation is and I can't. Like, can you please look at this as soon as possible or just um, let me know what you think and get that money quick. If you burn that person once or twice, they're not going to give you that money. And it's just like, and if it's your first deal also, they're probably not going to give you that money right away. Like you need to build these relationships around. How many times have we had deals where we were like scrambling last second? We're like, where are we going to get this money from? It happens all the time and you need those relationships. These people start trusting you and then, you know, they're not just going to hand you money without doing anything, but They'll probably glance at it, trust your word a little bit, and maybe sometimes they won't even look at it if you build it up to a good enough relationship. Yeah. Um, I think there's levels that like someone's going to do their own due diligence, but I think we can like with our relationships we build and trying to take care of them, like I think we can easily get half a million to a million dollars within a couple of days um, if we have a good deal, if we're transparent, if we have our due diligence done. But that's just from like they're not going to do that for the first deal. They're going to take probably a week or two weeks for – uh, due diligence for themselves with that kind of money. But I really think like we could pretty easily get that volume of money if we're, we have our due diligence done. Um, so it's just having that money on deck is very valuable because I want you guys to think about this. If you're sending 5,000 mailers a month, you have 60,000 mailers out a year. Um, these people in 12 months might pick up the phone and call you. It might be a $700,000 purchase or it might be a $100,000 purchase that someone needs money for fast because something went wrong in their life. And this happens all the time. If you have the money there, like you can make a lot of money and they, they will sense it if you don't. I promise you that. These sellers are smarter than uh, a, lot of you, a lot of people give them credit for. Um, but being able to have that money on deck is so, so valuable. And you never know when you're gonna have what in the bank. But if you have these funding partners, it's so, it, you can make so much money from it by being quick with uh, getting your funding. Yeah, and I, I really emphasize like when we have different deal funders, especially, you know, newer deal funders who we're trying to build good long term relationships with, I'm always like checking on their property, seeing how the hits are, seeing what's going on, because I want them to get paid out fast. I know it's more expensive and you know, um, we signed whatever, an eight month contract or six month contract with them and it doesn't need to, but I want to turn their money so they're happy and they're willing to hand that hundred grand right back over to us when we need it in another month because that like I'd, I'd rather pay someone more up front, really. I know that cheaper money is going to come with trust and time if we treat them right. So I'd rather pay them more up front and build that relationship, have them trust us to get more cheaper money in the future and just build a, a really good relationship rather than screwing them, off, screwing them over off the bat or taking our time or whatever the situation is. Um, I really want to build those trusts early. So we have – I always look at it like how much money do we have at any given time in our business that we can get? How much capital do we have that we can get? Because that's that number right there, that's as big as you can grow. You cannot grow past that number, period. You have to find a way to get capital to grow your business. So you're at a dead halt. If you can get $1 million in the next week, you can't grow more than $1 million in the next week. That's your peak. That's your cap. So you got to raise that cap so you can scale as, as large as you want. And that's how I kind of look at it. But that's all I have. Anything no, to add to that, I think, uh, like we've talked about this whole 25, 26 minutes, like these relationships, guys, are treat them, treat them with respect, um, build them, grow with them, like these relationships are your business at the end of the day. And so I don't think you can scale without the right people around you. 
Exactly. And then there's, um, we're, we'll have another episode on employees and stuff, but then you have your own employees and virtual assistant relationships. That's a whole another episode though. Thank you guys for joining to get started and to unlock your potential freedom, visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free discord where Ron and I are involved. Guys, if you got anything from this, please like, and subscribe our YouTube channel. Or if you're listening on a podcast, that really means a lot to us and it drives this business forward. Other than that, guys, we'll hope to see you next episode and thanks, thanks for guys. joining.